I'm not sure if Rob Manfred has read this because I'm not sure if Rob Manfred can read. It's not in crayon, so he couldn't read yeah. it. You're listening to Unscripted with Mike and Chris, brutally honest sports talk. And now, here is Mike Jansen. A lot of things to talk about in this 524th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. We are here. Hope everything is as well as it can be in your little neck of the woods as we go through, again, the ups and downs of being part of history in regards to this corona virus COVID-19 situation that we're all living in and and uh, again I, I I can't applaud enough the people in Canada that have really done uh, they have listened to our leaders we have listened to our leaders we've listened to our medical authority people and that's why the numbers are down and I am very proud it's been a pain in the ass it hasn't been a lot of fun but my god um, again credit to everybody in the medical field that has informed us, alerted us about what the consequences are of not playing along, not playing nice in the sandbox with everybody else. And I think Canadians in general have done a very, very credible job in flattening the curve, uh, flattening the curve of this coronavirus stuff. And uh, I applaud Canadians that uh, are doing what is necessary to do to rid the, as fast as we can to rid ourselves of this coronavirus situation. And again, my uh, appreciation to all the medical people, the frontline people. And again, uh, the people like uh, Dina, what's her name Hinshaw. again? Thank you. The top doctor here in the province of Alberta. She has done a terrific job of leading us through this. And it's also a credit, though, to the people that are listening to her. I think there are people that are telling people this stuff in the United States, but they're just talking to a an open hand and and uh, that's why you're seeing the numbers escalate like they are in the united states and that's a goddamn shame um a lot of things um this will be our last episode of the week so we're going to make it probably a little bit longer but we've got a lot of things to get to so i'm going to shut the hell up and let's get to some of them and you know that it must be prevalent because i'm opening a, a segment i'm opening a show with major league baseball we don't do that very often um Probably have a better chance of happening at uh, Robbie Manfred's house than it would at Chris Ramai's house. But there are some news, lots of news happening in Major League Baseball as teams have opened up their spring training, if you will, in their home ballparks. What the hell is his name? Tanaka is his last name, the pitcher of the Yankees. Um, pretty good pitcher. He got hit yesterday in the head from a line drive by Aaron Jones or Aaron uh, Judge yesterday that could probably take years off your life if you get wow. hit with a hit off of a line drive hit off the bat of Aaron Judge Mashahiro I think is his name pitcher of the Yankees he was in the hospital yesterday he's okay now but obviously he's probably not at practice today after getting hit by a line drive right in the head off the bat of Aaron Judge. That could take years off your professional career for damn sure. All pitchers just wear hats. They don't wear Correct. their actual helmets or anything after protecting. Correct. But it's also probably coming at a few extra speeds of velocity when it comes off the bat of Aaron Judge than it does off of you or I. Mm -hmm. um, but we've had some news in Major League Baseball that we need to share with you. And maybe, maybe we're starting to see some of these Major League Baseball players rethinking about the 60-game season, because yesterday, two of the biggest names so far, and the biggest name, and Chris knows who this is, but that's part of the drama, 
Chris knows who this person is because Chris took him first overall <laughs> in the nuclear draft, which I had a lot of fun doing. But the biggest names so far, Dodger left-hander David Price, late of the Red Sox, late of the Toronto Blue Jays, the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, the Detroit Tigers. But this year, he had been traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers in the Mookie Betts trade. David Price and member King Felix Hernandez from the Seattle Mariners. He now pitches for the Atlanta Braves. And both of those two big names have opted out of the 60-game Major League Baseball season. They're just afraid of the time away and the coronavirus situation in the United States to take the chance of being part of something like this this year. So those are the two biggest names so far that have opted out. There are others, but these are the two biggest names that have happened so far. But the biggest fish in the pond, all pun intended, when you're talking about Mike Trout, the best player in the game, Trout has come out and said that he has concerns Mm. about the restart. And I'm telling you, folks, if that young man opts out, we may not see baseball. I really believe that because you have the upper echelon guys, the guys that Chris and and uh, uh, Greg and I drafted. These are the upper echelon guys. These are the guys that people, they may not be baseball fans, but they've heard of these guys. And when you got guys like Mike Trout, potentially uh, Bellinger in Los Angeles, uh, Yelich in Milwaukee, um, Cespedes in the New York for the Mets. Any member of the any number of members of the New York Mets, if any guys like that, or the New York Yankees, excuse me, any guys of that magnitude start talking about, I'm not sure about playing, then there's got to be some hesitation. Robbie Manfred and Tony Clark, who's the head of the Major League Baseball Players Association, got to be scared shitless about this season even getting started when the best player, hands down, in Major League Baseball, Mike Trout, has hesitation about this 60-game start-up to the season and and the playoffs and everything else. I'm telling you, folks, if Mike Trout says, no, I'm not going, there's not going to be baseball. Because the one thing that baseball needs more than anything right now, anything, especially with no fans in the stands, they've got to be able to put their marquee names out on those fields, and they've got to sell their product with the best players playing. So Trout has to be playing. Bellinger has to be playing. The criminals from the Houston Astros hate them, hate them, or you know, love them or loathe them. They still got to be playing for baseball to get any kind of ratings. Because the only way they're going to get any kind of satisfaction for starting this season is good television ratings. And at the beginning, people are going to watch because it's something new. But if it's a bunch of Hammeneggers or minor leaguers or guys that people don't have a clue about those TV sets are going to go off really, really fast, and baseball just goes down a couple more notches down the ladder of life. So if Mike Trout says no, I think the season is in peril in Major League Baseball. Yeah, that would be a big one. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, Mike Trout is the biggest name out there. Biggest fish in the pond. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. It's, hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the leagues overall have, you know, done all they can to get ready. But now when you get things like certain stars just refusing to play for their own, you know, concerns about their own well-being, and then you have tons of guys on the St. Louis Blues, for example, testing positive, right. these are monkey wrenches that are, you know, hard to avoid. Well, and I don't mean to interrupt, but look at it this way. You can get everybody prepared and get these bubbles ready and all this other stuff, but getting them to the bubble is the problem now. 
Yeah, and it, I mean, it has to obviously be everyone's tested every time you, you go in. And uh, I mean, how long are you going to pe- keep people there then, right? I mean, is there a way that in St. Louis, for example, that they could kind of set up a bubble just for the players to stay at for a few weeks? Like, do they have a hotel kind of that they yeah. can be, uh, you know, with there? Well, and, and teams got to be start thinking, don't they, about getting up to Edmonton or Toronto in the National Hockey League to start you know, getting ready and start preparing. That's true. But I mean, there'd be, even if we have lots of hotel space, there's very limited rink space. Correct. Yeah. Right. So that would be the problem. You want to get your practices in your home arena. Like the ideal thing would have to be that you get the, your own bubble at there and you have like a hotel and the rink and you basically you are going back and forth between those two. Anytime you enter the protected area, which includes the bus and, and the arena, you are getting tested each time. If you leave that, closed circuit area then you have to come let me ask you i I don't know this that's why i'm asking you do the oilers have a separate practice facility or do they practice and play every do everything at rogers arena uh i believe they do everything at rogers arena now they do have like once in a while they'll go to west edmonton mall and they'll do like they've got a they've got a uh they've got an ice rink at west edmonton mall yeah right in the middle of the mall i had no idea oh you never been to west never been there no. Oh, oh! I used to go to the water park all the time there. Yeah, there's a there's an ice rink right in the middle. You're just so walking there down must the, there uh, must be some kind of facilities though, like at let's say at the uh, U of A. There's got to be. I mean, they've well, got a pretty are. good hockey program yeah, there. They do. And then there's uh is and then the old Rexall place is still. I don't know if they they probably don't keep the ice there or anything. Uh, where else would there be? Uh, boy, it would be fairly limited though, so it, it'd be pretty tough to pull off. And not like you want to start having like teams go to the West Edmonton Mall and right. go to this rink that's right in the middle of the mall. Right. Uh, so no, I mean you pretty much have to. Now, I mean you you could schedule it, but then there's people like a lot of people going in and out of the locker rooms at a time. Yeah. So that's going to be hard enough anyway. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting thing, but I think you have to have your practices in your home in your home arena and that yeah. shouldn't be too hard with your you're the only team you know you have if you're st louis you have anyone who enters the arena has to get tested and then you know if you're going on the bus and coming back and and guys have to not be going home each yeah. night they have to be in seclusion for a couple of weeks or you know separate from their families and then they have to get on a plane together all tested and then go to edmonton or whatever and yeah i, I mean i i just you have to assume that people are doing all this and apparently they aren't so i don't know it's it's a real uh, piecemeal approach major league baseball and their players association announced on friday of last week 38 positive tests for covid during the league's set of mandatory examinations 31 players and seven staff members out of 3185 people tested that comes out to 1.2 percent so the numbers are low usually one percent that's normal and that's 1.2 percent so out of 3185 tests given 38 players or 38 31 players seven staff members came up positive so it'll be interesting to see there um also the end major league baseball just staying here in baseball and then we'll get to other things major league baseball has canceled the all-star game big surprise there the la dodgers were supposed to be the host of that they were the awarded instead the 2022 game atlanta was already awarded the 2021 game so no major league all-stars no home run derby this year and that's fine in 60 games it's going to be a run to the roses anyway um and this is something the last thing of baseball that i want to mention because i just can't too i can't do too much baseball i start breaking out in hives um blake snell who i have just ridden his ass 
since he came out with the proclamation that I'm going to get mine. And, you know, he wasn't going to play for a penny less than what he signed on the dotted line. And obviously he has been just been getting just blasted for his comments because of people being unemployed and, and, uh, it's just, it's just a mess. Well, this Yahoo finally woke up. I don't know. Maybe somebody kicked him in the short and curlies. I don't know what it was, but somebody got through to Blake Snell. Nobody's gotten through to Bryce Harper yet, but nobody really expected to. But Blake Snell, starting pitcher, Cy Young Award winner a couple years ago with the Tampa Bay Rays, came out just yesterday and regrets saying that I got to get mine in rants about pay cuts. And I got to tell you, Blake Snell, you're about two months too late, but I appreciate your honesty. It's just too long. It's too bad. It took you eight weeks to get your head out of your ass. Well, I think that's part of the problem here. I mean, even when COVID really started, I said, because I had seen in the last few years, you know, SARS and MERS and bird flu and mad cow disease and all these other ones. And none of them made us change our daily lives at all. And so I said, well, this is, you know, probably just another one of those. And then it became apparent then that it wasn't because it's a lot more contagious, even if it's not as maybe lethal as some of the other ones uh, necessarily, but it's, it's very, very contagious. And so uh, this is unprecedented for us and it was hard to imagine. And now we've gotten used to it. And now we've, you know, some people uh, have tried to be team players in society and try to work together. And a lot of people haven't. And uh, for a lot of people, I think it's just that they're in denial. A lot of people have never been told what to do because they always, you know, stand up against their government and maybe had shitty parents and, and they've never just been told what to do. And they're maybe too selfish to work together on this. And, and when you combine that with being in denial, they're not going to change anything. And I mean, when you hear some of these people talk about their reasons, it's just like, what? The, like, they're, it's just babble. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, listen to your doctors and, and let's work together. I know some people are paranoid that this is big government trying to, like, test out how submissive we are or something. But it's not, guys. Like, just stop being so dogmatic. You're being counterproductive. And uh, just shut the fuck up and stay <laughs> home. Really? I mean, that's what it really comes down to. But a lot of people can't do that they're just these uh wild stallions that have to run free and they're paying the price and now they they may not know it but they've really embarrassed themselves with uh you know 50,000 new cases a day or whatever the heck is going on it's it's extremely embarrassing even if the people that are that should be embarrassed don't know that they should be I've got a couple things uh to address in the National Hockey League that we didn't get to earlier but before we get to those a couple of quick notes from the NBA This bubble in Orlando that uh, Adam Silver has been so excited about, housing 22 teams for the league's restart at the end of July, is going to cost the NBA $150 million to run this little wide world of sports campus or whatever the hell it is that uh, on Disneyland in Orlando, on the Disneyland, that's their land. The Walt Disney Corporation owns the land that this bubble in Orlando is on. And there's I think off the top of my head, three uh, luxurious hotels that they're having to rent out to house these 22 teams. And now again, not all 22 teams will be there for the duration, obviously. But at the start, there are 22 teams. The 22 teams are going to go through an eight-game regular season to kind of conclude the regular season. Then there'll be a full playoffs. I don't know if there's going to be full seven-game series, but there's going to be, you know, a first round, a second round, 
the championship round, and then obviously the finals. But this little thing in Orlando, whenever it starts and ends, it's going to end up around costing the NBA somewhere in the neighborhood of $150 million. And with no fans, which means no gate revenues, no uh, food revenues, no alcohol revenues, no, uh, uh, you know, merchandise, merchandise thank you. No, none of that stuff. And, I, and, and you, you coincide that with a lot of players really hedging their bets now. You know that you've heard Avery Bradley of the Los Angeles Lakers says he's not going to play. And there have been a couple others. Dwight Howard of the Lakers is kind of on the fence. He doesn't quite know yet. The Lakers are supposed to travel from L.A. to Orlando on Wednesday of this week, and Dwight Howard will not be with them. They're trying to work out a, uh, a different way to get Dwight down to Orlando because Dwight is... Uh, in Georgia, on his farm in Georgia right now. And Dwight Howard had a tragedy that happened to him and his family at the very beginning back in March of this COVID-19 thing is that uh, the mother of his young son, uh, I don't know if she was killed or murdered, but she is no longer with us. She was living in Calabasas, California, which is south of L.A. and north of San Diego. Um, So the young man is without his mother. And so Dwight Howard has taken on the responsibility of being both parents for this young man. And right now we don't know if Dwight Howard is going to show up. And we also had probably the biggest name so far announced that he is not going to play in Orlando, and that's Victor Oladipo of the Indiana Pacers. He has opted out. So you just wonder. I mean, you kind of see the tea leaves, if you will. I mean, I think that Chris and I recognize Adam Silver as one of the better commissioners in professional sports, up there with Gary Bettman, um, no question. And uh, I, I just wonder. I, I, I truly believe that I wonder now if the NBA will even start. Um, or and, and even Silver came out this week and said, I think we're going to start, but will we finish? I don't know. Now, when the top dog is saying that, that's got to put some concern in the back of your mind. Now, the LA Lakers want to play. The Milwaukee Bucks want to play. The teams that have legitimate title aspirations, they want to see this through. I get that. But if you're the San Antonio Spurs or you're one of the lower echelon teams of the 22 left in the NBA, do you really give a rat's ass anymore? I mean, come on. So I don't know. Again, I've said this before. I'll say it again. The only thing that I could sit here at Chris's table and tell you, in my mind, without a shadow of a doubt, especially now that they're going to house these two hubs in Toronto and Edmonton, that I think the only one for sure that's going to restart is the National Hockey League. Staying in the NBA, real quick, before we get back to the NHL. Latest odds, and I just mentioned most of these teams, latest odds on the NBA teams winning a championship when the season restarts in Orlando, the LA Lakers have been made the favorite at a plus 200. Milwaukee comes in second at a plus 250. The Clippers come in third at plus 350. Houston's at plus 1500. And Boston and Toronto, they come in tied for fifth at uh, plus 1800. So realistically, right now, they're thinking it's going to be the Lakers or the Clippers against the Bucks for the NBA championship, is what they're thinking. Oh, that's pretty it's reasonable be, yeah. and predictable be. yeah. for sure. For so. sure. 
yeah, the Kawhi effect uh, versus the, the LeBron effect right. should be interesting. But there's, I mean, we don't know. Like some of these guys are going to come in in worse shape than others and be more injury prone and and with no fans or whatever. Like it's going to be a lot of really incalculable variables, I mm-hmm. think, here that people even things that we haven't thought of probably. So it's going to be. I mean, even if that would have been the case, normally and maybe it still will be you know we just don't know maybe the toronto raptors had uh, a really good program that all their guys have been working on they've been really keeping each other motivated and they're in great shape like i don't know i can tell you that the toronto raptors have been in florida as a team already for two weeks well there you go and so toronto may have a leg up on everybody plus obviously they've got the championship mantra they've been there before Mm -hmm. they were just there last year and yeah they don't have Kawhi leonard anymore but jesus toronto i think was amazing this year and what Nick Nurse did with that team, minus Kawhi Leonard, and then they had all the injuries uh, when the season was going on back up until middle of March. I mean, everybody in their starting lineup was hurt for more than a significant part. And, you know, people say, well, they're six and a half games behind Milwaukee. Well, yeah, but you take away all the players injury-wise that Toronto, all the players that Toronto lost over the course of the season, the first... 65 games of the year, whatever it was. Um, I think Nick Nurse, hands down, wins coach of the year this year. What a job that they did. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan, still to this day, of Masai Ujiri because of what he did to DeMar DeRozan. But you know what? He did what good executives do. He brought you a championship. And, um, you know, he rolled the dice. And DeRozan's never been the same. But bottom line in the 25-year history or whatever it is of the Toronto Raptors, they were never championship quality. And you bring in Masai Ujiri, and boom, they win a championship. So love him or loathe him, he's doing something right. Back to the National Hockey League is where I wanted to go. And this is really good news. I'm very happy. And, you know, obviously I've become more of a hockey fan since I moved to Canada two decades ago. Can't help it. I mean, the National Hockey League up here is broadcast like the NBA and the NFL is down in the United States. It's on all the time. And uh, either you get on board or you don't watch a lot of sports in Canada, and I got on board. I appreciate the NHL game. I never really understood everything about it. I do now. Not to the point, obviously not to the point of Greg and Chris and Ryan and these guys, but, um, you know, I understand a back check. I understand a four check. I understand a lot of things about the game. I understand uh, the neutral zone and, and why they got rid of the, the red line years ago. Uh, I understand that, to open play up offensively. I get all of that. But the National Hockey League on this show has been talked about in near reverence because of the way that Messrs. Uh, Bettman and Daly have kind of captained the ship through this coronavirus bullshit and I give a lot of praise to Bettman and, and Daly for what they've done. And while they were doing all this other stuff, they got together with Donald Fair, the head of the NHL Players Association, and they were working behind the scenes on a new six-year collective bargaining agreement. And it looks as it's just about ready to become fruition. And I'm very happy to say that the NHL and its Players Association are closing in on this new six-year CBA as well as the key details involved with the league's return to play plan, according to TSN here in Canada. It would still need to be ratified by the league's Board of Governors and the Players Association, so a formal announcement is not eminent. But guys, when you make this kind of announcement, 
during all the other stuff, all the extracurricular bullshit that's going on in the world these days, these days, and these guys can come out and talk about a new six-year collective bargaining agreement, another feather in the cap of Bettman and Daly, and obviously Donald Fair. Donald Fair was the guy, if you remember, in 1994 that was on the side of the players, and he was part of the problem, him and Bud Selig, millionaires fighting billionaires over dollars and cents. Donald Fair was the head of the Major League Baseball Players Association in 94 when the Montreal Expos got screwed. Donald Donald Fair has taken his talents to the NHL, and this time his talents are being used to the better, to the betterment of the game, and I'm very proud and very pleased that the National Hockey League and its Players Association are this close to a new CBA that says wonders about the management as to who's running, who's running the asylum in the NHL. Yeah, what a great story this is. And this is such a wonderful thing to see. And it's the right move for all parties involved. And I'm not sure if Rob Manfred has read this because I'm not sure if Rob Manfred can read. It's not in crayon, so he couldn't read yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but uh, for anyone who's not an idiot out there, uh, we can see that this is just a wonderful thing. And, you know, and this is something that Bryce Harper hasn't learned and maybe Blake Schnell has finally learned. But you don't want to, of, of all times, you don't want to now come out while people are pissed off about, you know, losing sports, maybe losing more sports, their own lives, losing their jobs, having no money, and everything's just a disaster right now. And then you're going to have spoiled millionaires and billionaires arguing over money. Nobody wants to see that. People are going to get pissed off and then leave and never come back to your sport. So this is a great time to just, you know what, screw it. Let's just do a CBA, get a bunch of years done. Let's get all of our stuff haggled out. We've got time to negotiate right now. Let's just get it all done and have nothing but good news for our fans. And this is just a brilliant thing. Uh, kudos to all of them. Bettman, Daly, Donald Fair, all of them. I know Donald Fair is just an, a fierce negotiator. Yes, like, he is. Very, oh, God, yes. I'll never forget. Donald Fair, sorry, but Donald Fair schooled. Bud Selig back in 94. Oh, yeah. Well, they, he completely outclassed him. But I will say that Gary Bettman is uh, fair as equal, I think. Absolutely. And uh, obviously... He got a deal done where Bud Selig couldn't well, 25 years ago or whatever it was. Bud Selig couldn't negotiate finishing an All-Star Games overtime extra innings. So, <laughs> that like, no, I, I, no, but honestly, like, I mean... I know! Bud Selig, I know you, you know, you know, he was Mr. Miller, Parker, and, and Dude, I've always, I have like, never said anything. I, I, I totally agree with you. He fucked up the 2001 all-star game in his home ballpark that he got built in milwaukee so yeah. he wasn't perfect but he's a lot better than robbie manfred he was just so weak and so yeah uh, but Batman, uh, this is where Batman can shine and donald fair always shines and i'll just never forget that press conference when they finally got that lockout done and they come out and they looked like they had just hit each other in the face with shovels all night. And it's like six in the morning and they're just sitting there and they're worn out. They're just and, wiped. Yeah. And they just, you know, because they both know how to negotiate and Donald Fair will you do anything. Like he will, mm -hmm. he will use the, the, you know, the fact that it's three in the morning. And maybe if I just sit here and stall, maybe at four in the morning, I'll get a better deal because he wants to go home. But like he'll do whatever it takes. Yep. And he's a world-class negotiator. And, this is great to see them seeming like we don't see how tough the negotiations were behind the scenes and behind closed doors, right. but we are seeing results. It looks like, and 
Again, not not saying the negotiations were necessarily easy. Maybe they were. Maybe both guys were like, you know what, let's just... Yeah. Maybe it was easy. I don't know. But either way, they got the work done, it looks like. And I think they've got nothing but good news to announce. And that's the right thing to do right now for fans and just citizens in general. And we need some good news like this. And I think what I'm trying to say is screw baseball. Bingo. Um, real quick, before we get out of here on this 524th episode of our program, real quick. And I... I hope I heard this correctly because I'm very intrigued about this again. I was never intrigued, I guess, maybe of shutting down the season for a month during the National Hockey League season. But supposedly a part of this new NHL collective bargaining agreement is that the National Hockey League players could be allowed to participate in the next two Winter Olympic Games. So I think it's great for the game when you've got all these different countries represented during obviously something as gigantic as the winter Olympic games, I just was never, I guess, a fan of having to shut the national hockey league season down for 30 days to allow them to go play. But I understand what it means for the globalization of the game. I understand what it means for the marketing of the game I, I get all that, and so I'm I'm pro having the National Hockey League players in the Olympics. I just wish we could do do something to put it at a different time frame, or or I I I, I know it can't be perfect, but I am excited about the possibility. I have to admit, I am excited about the possibility of NHL players back in the next two Olympic Winter Games. Yeah, it was weird not having them there. It didn't really feel like the Olympics at all. But it was it. I think it was like there was a third person in the negotiating room with Bettman and Donald Fair here, and uh, that was you know the ghost of the fans yeah. and yeah. basically saying like you know anything they're saying it's like okay don't piss us off don't piss us off right, right? and so everything they were doing it's like okay let's make sure uh, because not only do the fans like to see the stars at the Olympics. Absolutely. But uh, the players, uh, many players have often said in hockey that they want to play for their country. They want to be able to win a gold medal or at least some Olympic medal. They want to play for their country and represent their country. And, and so the players and the citizens all want this. It's tough for these guys to come in there and not do that. So this was clearly like, hey, we're, we're going to announce good news for everyone. Clearly, like no messing around. It's like, what do the fans want? What do the players want? And if it doesn't severely hurt the league or you know, right. just, just if it's not just horrifically bad for the league for some reason, then just do it. Yeah. Okay. We'll play in the, in the Olympics. Yeah. We'll, we'll do whatever else you want. We'll get a CBA announced. Yeah. Let's like, you know, when, when you have stuff like work stoppages on that, that means, you know, things are kind of too good. You know, yeah. I, if you yeah. notice lately, got cats got too fat. There haven't been any rail blockades lately. Right, you haven't heard much from anti-vaxxers lately because there we're in times where that is not a luxury that people have. Where times are so good, people can complain about complete bullshit. And now we've moved uh, we've moved on to some rough times, and this is what you get. This is the good thing about it. When you're in serious times, then you know people who are making the right decisions, unlike baseball, will say, "Okay, we're not fucking around anymore. Right. We're not playing. Okay, let's do all the right things, and we're done. And away we go." Um, I want to show, especially our buddies, Greg and Ryan, that I am expounding or expounding, Jesus Christ, (laughs) expanding my horizons. 
seven-time NASCAR champion. And I only know this because I know this name because he was a famous football coach in my day and age versus a, a car driver. But seven-time NASCAR champion Jimmy Johnson has tested positive for the coronavirus and will miss the first race of his career at the Brickhard 400 that's supposed to be run later today at the Indianapolis Speedway in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I just had to mention that because I would have never, never mentioned a car racing story. I mean, I know there was used to be big car races all the time. There used to be a big car race in Wisconsin the week after the Indy 500. You know, the Indy 500 is traditionally run, you know, Labor Day week, or Memorial Day weekend in the States. And the next week, they always had a big race the next week in Milwaukee at uh, State River something, I don't know, State Park something in Milwaukee. But I never would have mentioned anything about a driver. I mean, I've heard of A.J. Foyt and Johnny Rutherford and Richard Petty, and I've heard about some of these guys, but certainly wouldn't have been spending money to go see them or watch them on the TV. But for you, Greg and Ryan, I'm opening up my mind. I'm opening up some borders, and because I knew this guy, Jimmy Johnson, as a football coach, (laughs) he's not moonlighting as a seven-time NASCAR champion, but he will miss his first race of his career at the Brickyard 400 this weekend because, obviously, the coronavirus has snuck in and uh, gotten into the NASCAR community as well. Well, uh, I've, uh, other than... Um, announcements about things being canceled ever since COVID started about 90% of the notifications on my phone have been about uh, car exactly. racing yeah. and I just I like know. I didn't sign up for this like every, I know. everything is car racing announcements all the time so you know actually funny you mentioned that though yesterday my wife and I for the first time ever we had never watched Talladega Nights uh, the ballad of Ricky Bobby with Will Ferrell Will Ferrell okay. you know, I don't know was it good? It? no Yeah. No, whatever. Well, it's. It, I mean, it's from 2006, so I mean, I've heard all the sure. things from the movie a million times. But you know, if you're not first, you're last, and all this stuff, and whatever. But no, every Will Ferrell movie is the same, right? Basically, pretty much for better or worse. Yeah, there's some like improvements, like you know, you could say maybe Anchorman. <coughs> uh, Anchorman's a little better than Anchorman uh, the, Two, yeah, or something. Yeah, but uh, whatever. Eh. Will Ferrell does a um, skit back on. Uh, he was guest hosting when George W. Bush Jr., the second one, was in office. Will Ferrell does an unbelievable George W. Bush. He did a one-man show and went on tour as George W. Yeah, Bush. Yeah, but I had never seen the tour. I just saw it on Saturday Night Live, and it was just... I. Uh, they had um, Daryl Hammond had come in, and he was doing John McCain, and... Um, Oh, who's the funny girl? Um, oh, yeah. Tina Fey yeah. was the governor for Alaska. Oh, yeah. Remember Sarah her? Palin. Sarah Palin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was so damn funny. I just, oh, my God. That just about, I just about peed my pants. It was that funny. And uh, John McCain trying to get out of the room before he'd get a, uh, an endorsement from George W. Bush. And, oh, my God. And it, <laughs> it was just hilarious. I, you know, there's one thing about Will Ferrell. Like him or not, he has really tried a lot of different things and you got to give him credit for that hasn't mastered all of them but uh at least he's not afraid to try some different things and i'll give him that much yeah he's he's made he's had a hell of a career uh but uh i just 
you know, once once you've seen one of his movies, I think you've seen them all. Did you ever see the one where he plays a basketball? Uh, uh, no, for the tropics. What's that yeah, called? Again? The yeah, the Flint Tropics. Yeah, in the old ABA. Yeah, no, I never saw that's that. dumb as dirt. Don't yeah. waste your time. Yeah, we've got to run on this five hundred and twenty fourth episode of Unscripted, our first foray and over two hundred episodes with video. Interested to see how it looks uh, between uh, breaks here in in uh, uh, recording today. Chris showed me what it kind of looked like, and I think he's done a hell of a job, and I think you'll be surprised as how good the quality is. Um, Hopefully. Well, but again, we're just uh, trying some different things, and, and uh, obviously it's, uh, you know, it's not the finished product. So you've still got to do the voodoo that you do, but I think it's off to a good start, and I'm interested to see what people think of seeing the two of us in a video component of Unscripted with you and I. We've got to run. Um, I do want to remind everybody, though, even though we are doing this new video component, we still would really appreciate it if you continued to hit the subscribe button on uh, all those different ways that Chris has tirelessly gotten you to or the different options that you have to listen to the program. We're still going to have the audio component, so you can still listen on those 18 or 20 different ways that Chris has worked so hard to get uh, out there for you on in scripted land. So if you could take the time and hit the subscribe button, that would be greatly appreciated. And even though uh, Spotify has signed Joe Rogan for a hundred million bucks, congratulations. And again, Chris and I would work for half of that. Um, it is always follow, not subscribe on Spotify. Just a little bit of a reminder. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.